You're back listening to I'm Glad You Exist with me, John Leo. On today's episode, I'm joined once more by the exceptionally talented Sam Livam. Gladarians, or existences, I'm trying to come up with a collective term for everyone listening, will remember that Sam joined me on the podcast earlier this year to talk about his work, which is to say we spoke about his extensive portfolio of nude women and looked at the nuance behind it. Sam mentioned that in his years as a photographer of the female form, he had had his Instagram account deleted on two separate occasions and felt like number three was coming. Well, come it did. And at a respectable 20,000 followers, Sam Livam 3 went the way of Sam Livam's 1 and 2. In our chat today, we go into what it feels like to have your online identity taken away, what the process involved looks like, and we broadly talk about the role censorship plays in social media, why it exists for good reason, but why excessive censorship is dangerous for the very people it's trying to protect. So let's jump into this and have you find out more reasons why I'm glad Sam Livam exists. business I'm sure just as a creative person you know a lot of people who have probably suffered through a a complete lack of work for the last year yeah I think I think it's definitely like pushed people towards a reevaluation of what you know is important to them um I think for like you know my you know circle of friends and those creatives I think we all we're sort of like bounded by this social media spell where you always had to create something. You know, you see someone else create things. And so you think to yourself, like, I need to create, I need to like get my game on. I gotta, I gotta hustle. I gotta put more content than the other person does. And I gotta grow my numbers. And mm. yeah, I think during the whole pandemic, it's sort of, I think, I think some people just kind of gave less of a shit mm. to be frank. I think other people kind of try to be, creative with it you know people did those quarantine shoots and stuff like that i Um, i still can't figure out how those work like how 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 do you do like these photo shoots over like facetime and stuff i don't know i I mean i think they just screenshot it right like yeah they screenshot like like duct tape their phone to the ceiling but then i just so but the the quality is amazing what fucking phone are you using yeah, I th- these new iPhones, these new Macs, <laughs> like they got some pretty, pretty cameras. Um, yeah, I think I think they just screenshot it. I think they just work from like from you know like not to get like technical, like probably just edit from a JPEG. Mm. Not really, not like they can get a raw file. Do you remember when I I swear it was like the iPhone four or the iPhone five came out and they had this huge promotional push to being like this is the best camera that's ever been on a phone. And you just think, if you went back to the iPhone 5 now, you'd be like, this is fucking awful. (laughs) Yeah. But at the time, you're like, my God, this is like professional photographers are getting rid of their gear because they only need this phone. Right, yeah. Insane. Yeah, there was like those YouTube videos like, do you need the new Canon 5D? You can just get an iPhone. (laughs) No, I mean, I got a, uh, I just got an iPhone 12 recently. And I I came from a 7, Mm. which... Massive upgrade then. Yeah, it seems like I came from a different planet. Like it, <laughs> like you know, I would take these photos and it would just like sort of freeze. And then, you know, these new cameras that you can take like five in a row, and it would everything would just be like super crisp and clear. Mm. Um, so it is crazy how like things have kind of evolved since then. Yeah, especially like um, if I ever see someone with an iPhone and they've got like that that slight video before a photo. 
that's almost like it takes a small video. So if you get the moment slightly wrong, you can go back like half a second just in case you yeah. like get someone blink. It's mental. They, um, they figured it out for all those, uh, so all those selfies. <laughs> well, I mean, look, talking about iPhones leads us on quite nicely to social media, which leads us on to Instagram. What, um, let's, <laughs> let's just kind of, for, for those listening, what, what has brought us back together so soon after episode one? Oh. <laughs> I got deleted again. Oh dear. And uh, it's, it's the third time now. And each time feels very special. Mm. Um, the first time was sort of like disbelief. Um, you know, just because I felt like I was like, yeah, I don't know, not like untouchable, but it sort of felt like things were too good to be true. Mm. Uh, and this was, you know, the first time I got deleted was like five years ago. Um, second time I got deleted was two years ago. And that time I got pissed off because I learned from the first lesson mm. of getting deleted to, you know, not just care strictly on a numbers basis, but, you know, try to ask, actually foster some sort of online community. Mm. So when it, so that, yeah, I got pissed off the second time. The third time I was just like, I don't really, I really don't even fucking care anymore. <laughs> yeah, an interesting journey with it. So, I mean, let's... Because you, you mentioned, I think, the first time in our last conversation. And the first time, what what number were you at when you got deleted? And what was your awareness of why you got deleted? For which time? For the first time. This time? First time, I think it was just because uh, I, I just posted too many photos at once. And I didn't cover the nipple entirely. Mm. Like, there was maybe two pixels of some darker toned color. Uh, that sort of prompted every, that just prompted Instagram to delete it. Mm. Uh, the second time, I mean, I did everything right, but I think what happened was I used these black, like just straight black circles mm. censoring anything. And I think Instagram's AI does not fully understand what that black means. It's the same concept as um, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of accounts that post black and white nudes or monochromatic nudes, mm. and they have a little bit more leeway with things because, um, you know, I, I, I personally believe that, like, Google's AI, uh, not Google's AI, um, Instagram's AI is a little bit more in tune with just being able to interpret color to see the overall differences of what constitutes, like, a nipple or, you know, private part mm. or skin. So... Just, just I guess for the awareness of this, um, when Instagram is deleting accounts then, is it this AI algorithm, when you post something, it goes automatically through like a censorship kind of field and then it's being picked up? Or is it people are reporting the image and then it gets picked up? Or is it I, think it's I think it's a mixture of both. Hmm. Um, I think... I think for me, being a content creator on social media, specifically Instagram, um, we're sort of at a disadvantage because I think, you know, we live in this world where anyone can report something. And I think 
I'm unsure. I mean, I think the whole algorithm changes constantly. Instagram is not transparent on how they do this thing. Mm. So they just sort of, you know, give you this quick page that kind of just tells you this is kind of how we would interpret it, but it's up to our interpretation. Mm. So I think, you know, when people do report an image that they don't like for whatever reason that it is, I think if you if one reports it if you get a report once i think you know instagram wouldn't really look into it but i think if it gets multiple on your account whether on different images i think it prompts some of these images to run through uh with an ai and perhaps to do a more stricter observation on like what that photo is hmm. um and i do think that you know most photos now kind of go through like a the AI first. I think some people can post photos. Like, you know, I have three accounts because I knew that I was going to get deleted eventually. So on some accounts, I would post it. That thing would just clear, you know? And the same photo that I would post or another photo that I would post on a different account would sort of pause for a second. And then mm. sometimes it would just get taken off immediately. Mm. So I think I... Not to, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, like this whole podcast, but I do think that um, some accounts are marked in specific ways that is sort of to optimize this whole process. Mm. So if you're posting pictures of dogs and cats for, you know, for the last five years, I think your account won't necessarily be under that scrutiny. Mm. Versus me, who, you know, is posting consistently exclusively uh censored nude bodies that you know instagram would probably not be happy about do you, do you think there's a reason then like why instagram even bothers taking down images like that because you've got to presume that that kind of content creates engagement which creates people being on their app like surely it's surely it's disadvantage um disadvantageous for them to remove accounts like yours because it's getting people... Like, if no one was looking at your stuff, it would be like, look, we just sack this guy off because he's just creating yeah. content we don't like. But it becomes that kind of conversation about, well, Playboy never gets taken down, and they they are the worst for cens- censoring their images, right? Like, it's super lax in terms of what they yeah. do. But they're fine because they get yeah. a lot of engagement. So it's almost like, why do you think it doesn't apply to your work? Um, I think the most simple answer that we can, I mean, we can expand on is my contribution towards Facebook's profit margin is exactly zero dollars. I do not go shop on Instagram. I do not pay for any advertisement. Um, I don't do anything in particular for Facebook to see me as a, you know, a a positive. Mm. So, I don't know exactly what's going on with Playboy over there in particular. But yeah, they have a little bit more of a leeway. Um, they are posting photos that with I normally posted, I would get it taken out immediately. Mm. Um, so I'm made to believe that they are contributing some amount of monetary value to Facebook so that they are kind of given a free pass. And I sort of noticed this because like, you know, my girlfriend, you know, she's she's a model and she posts some nude work and she was talking about how she bought something on the shopping. So, you know, for those that don't know, they, you know, they switched the 
the notifications tab with shopping mm. um, because we all press that first. So of course, what button would they kind of like replace that area with, which is shopping. So she bought something and she started, you know, she just didn't get anything deleted off her stories or anything off her post for months mm. at a time. And, you know, it just got me thinking of like, you know, originally when, you know, startups or tech companies with user bases were being evaluated on how valuable um, their users were, you know, people will kind of say like, yeah, you know, each user that we have is worth about 10 cents or $1 or $1.50. I think it's sort of evolved in this way now where, I mean, I don't know, like, don't, don't quote me on this. Like, I'm not an expert on this i feel that every user now has their own sort of like monetary value mm. and it's all different so you know when, when playboy can pay five thousand dollars a month to get advertisement and if something gets deleted playboy has the op- the opportunity or the option to call th- contact someone on facebook you know if when i got deleted the three times i have, I have no one to talk to mm. there is no customer support um so I think because of that, money forces this interpretation of what is okay and not okay on not a very, you know, even playing field. Hmm. Because one of the one of the things that I saw, um, there's a model that I've worked with a few times who's a, uh, a very big vocal presence in the UK for for sex workers um her name's Rebecca Crow and she was posting a lot about and you would see it as her posts changed over time that there was like right I can't post my stuff on Instagram because Instagram's taking it down now there's this site called OnlyFans I'm putting my stuff there but now I can't post a link to OnlyFans because that's getting taken down so you know, to, get, yeah. to begin with, they were spelling OnlyFans with like a zero or something. And then it was yeah. just like, it's on that site that fans of mine can go to, you know, and they had to kind of yeah. skate around it. It just feels like, and that's where I saw the conversation saying it's unfair and it's hypocritical that Playboy gets away with this, but younger or independent, smaller sex workers aren't able to get their content seen and they can't even put it elsewhere because they're not even allowed to tell people about it on these apps. You know, like what? What do you th- feel like is the actual like the the wider implication and problem with this level of censorship from Instagram? Why is it a problem? Yeah, like what? Because I think a lot of people will be listening to this, and there'll be other photographers in it who understand it and recognize that getting their work taken down is obviously bad. But there'll be a lot of people listening to this who who don't understand what it feels like to have an account deleted because it's not going to happen to them. Right, because they're right. not they're not posting artistic nudes. Okay, they're right. just they may be seeing them, and they just go, oh, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. But you're the one who's put hours and weeks and years of his life into this, and then it goes, and it's like, well, look, this is actually a source of income for me, so I can't just be like, well, great, see you later then. Yeah. What What is the the bigger issue that people should kind of be mindful of with stuff like this? Why is it not a good thing? Um, I mean, I don't want to sound like American, but I mean, yeah, it's like <laughs> sort of like a freedom of speech. Um, I do feel that, see, I'm trying to wonder for someone who doesn't do this, like how I can sort of make an example of what it would feel like. 
Um, I mean, I think for me, it's, it, I mean, now I'm kind of realizing, like, it's just been, in, like, an abusive, one-sided relationship that I happen to be dating, um, you know, Instagram. Uh, but, you know, it, it's like, you know, if anything that you've always put your time into it, um, you put a lot of love, you put a lot of time, and you want to share that. And, you know, you can't hate the player, you gotta hate the game of, like, you know, yeah, we live in a very, you know, connected world through the internet, and this is sort of one way, on top of all these other things that, you know, artists have to do today to show people. Um, it is not, you know, I, I sometimes look back at these artists in the past and these filmmakers and these photographers, and some of these people don't even have any social media presence. But if I think about how they have always operated, they operated in a world without social media before that time. So they have, you know, their phone book is packed, you know, they have addresses, like physical addresses mm -hmm. that they probably mail stuff to. And, you know, they are able to function in that, in this, in our world, um, completely fine. But for sort of the new age of millennials and these content creators today, like, yeah, we do have to, like, that is our way of communication. And I, I think when you sort of take that away, um, it is like someone deleting your, your mailbox, you're deleting your physical address, um, getting rid of all those phone numbers. It, it sort of puts you in a position where you are sort of just erased. Mm. Um, and it's all decided by, uh, a company. Hmm. Do you feel like it is America's kind of sensibilities towards the taboo of being nude that is like the overriding thing with this kind of censorship because as, as you're talking now I was kind of thinking about how like they say like the with the war on drugs that'll never end because people people want drugs so yeah. you, you can't just criminalize drugs and expect people to stop because that that desire for it doesn't go and I feel like it's the same for nudity like Instagram can present as we want this to be a nice clean platform for our use and everything but at the end of the day if people keep making this stuff it's because other people want to see it yeah. So, you know, you can't just you can't just put a, a band-aid over it. And actually, if maybe the better thing would be if everyone was much more comfortable with the idea of nudity, this wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to I had to remind myself that I live in a bubble. Mm. Um not just in real life, but you know, also on social media. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of more conservative people and people have different viewpoints and the internet is something that you know you one might inadvertently expose themselves or expose other people to their bubble you know it's sort of like you know just bubbles kind of like forming mm. and it's not it's not okay i'm not a coder but i don't think it's rocket science to create a thing that if you were to enter someone's page that whether is full of nudity or full of, I don't know, graphic stuff, there would just be a prompt that says, hey, just so you know, um, this user is asking for people over the age of this, mm -hmm. and also, are you okay? Because there are going to be such and such things, whether that be more sexually explicit, sensually explicit, whatever you want to call it or mm -hmm. deem it. And all it takes is for someone to say, yes, I want to see it, and no. Mm -hmm. Because 
just to have this door between a person who doesn't want to see it and a person that wants to show it is that door. And, you know, they do this, they do this already for very graphic images, or they also do it for pictures of women breastfeeding. Mm. They say like, hey, just so you know, this is some sensitive stuff. And you press it and it's like, okay, I see it. But it, it can exist. So I think nudity is readily available to exist on Facebook's platforms. It's just that I think they know they can do it and they don't want to. Mm. And going back to what you were saying before about like, you know, uh, your friend who, Rebecca was it? Or, mm. um, yeah, like I have friends, I mean, look, I have a lot, of, I have friends who are models and have OnlyFans and they all tell me the same thing too. Like they can't post they can't spell out the word OnlyFans. They can't spell out the word Patreon. They can't spell out the word new. They can't they can't even post their profile link as OnlyFans or Patreon or whatever it is. They mm. just have to use a very generic link that links to another link, such as all my links, which is just, you know, a page that shows you ten different links. And, you know, if there's enough people that sort of communicate this where you know, oh, it, is it happening to me that I'm getting deleted for this or getting things taken down? So they are sort of censoring things, specifically attacking what I feel is nudity in particular now, even if it's not on your platform. It, it just doesn't want traffic to go outwards. So mm. I, I personally feel Facebook is fully aware of what's happening. I think they're fully aware of trying to suppress this. And... You know, I'm just a person that doesn't like when companies are not transparent with how things hmm. are going about. You know, like just if you're if you're if you have a perspective, hold it and interpret it with equal weight, but not because of who has deeper pockets. Hmm. Jumping back to to the thing you said before, so this account that we're kind of talking about has been deleted three times and now obviously within saying it's been deleted three times that's been it's been restored three times right or restored twice no 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 like it got deleted i just made a new account oh i see got yeah so you know within my friend's circle they all joke with me they're like oh what are you gonna do make sam livum because sam livum is you know my name and then nine you know so i had the first one just was my name. Then the second one was a one and then a two. And you know, mm. now I have one that's a three. But I promised myself I'm not going to make another one. Right. Okay. Um, so just I want to I wanna have like clarity on what that kind of actual experience of the last time it was deleted was like. So what, what number were you up to before you were there <laughs> where it deleted? This was, the th- this was the third one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, what number of um, followers? Oh, this one was a twenty. Is was was like around twenty thousand. Okay. I think it was almost there. It's like nineteen point five. Sam, so twenty thousand, and you're getting your decent engagement from it because at this point you have cultivated this community of people who go, "I like this guy's work," right? So, sure. you know, people are engaging it. At what point? Like, kind of walk us through. The, the minutes and hours of you realizing I've been deleted and it's gone. Okay. Um, I was on the couch with my girlfriend. We were watching uh, this Netflix series about 
these different types of artists. I think it's called like abstract. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm that. yeah. Great, you watch it? Hmm. It's good. And so, uh, I go to check my phone because I posted something like maybe two hours ago, and I know what that screen looks like. Hmm. You know, it 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 wants to show you your feed, and then it pauses, and then it goes all white, which means that you're gonna see the page that says, you know your stuff has been taken down. Mm. Um, so I think when that happened, uh, I was like really confused and I just kind of said to my girlfriend, I was like, yep, I think I just got deleted. I'm not sure. Let's find out. Um, and then it kind of prompted you to do an appeal. Um, and who knows how long this appeal takes. I kind of like did a quick Google search because, you know, things change every two to three years. And the last time I got deleted was like two years ago. So, you know, the differences of it now, like to see an article written in 2019 has no relevance to now. Hmm. So everyone was kind of saying on the internet, um, you know, to just do the appeal as fast as you can and try to get in contact with a representative. I don't know a representative. I don't know anyone that works at Facebook. Hmm. Um, and so the day afterwards, uh, they were like, yeah, we can't really restore accounts that are deleted. We have, we actually happened to delete your account immediately. <laughs> so there's really no uh, conversation about it. It was just like they are the the judge and executioner. So Facebook are trying to present that they just deleted content completely, despite how this is such a big thing that they hold on to data. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, right? Like, they don't actually delete it. No, it's it. there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I don't use I don't use my Facebook account, but I'm sure there's a profile of me on there mm. that I don't consent to with all the information that they've aggregated from every other friend that knew me at that point in time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think when I got deleted, I was just like, look, I can't keep doing this. Like if I make OK, if I make another account and I post my work in which I live in this world where Facebook does not approve of it. I just have to wake up every single day knowing that there's sort of like a timer on the top of my head, just like, you know, mm. hovering of when I'll get deleted again. And if I do this process of building a following again, writing these captions, you know, which I write these long captions talking about the day of or who this person is that I'm photographing, and I spend a good amount of time writing it, um, that's all going to get deleted eventually. Mm. So it is the question of why I, to, I, that I asked myself, why would I want to put in the time and energy to something that I know I'm not welcomed? Hmm. And I think it's a bigger discussion that I'm trying to have with other creatives today about why the fuck are we on this platform? Um, there are an overwhelmingly amount of my friends who it's like, it's like a, it's such a, damn thing to say to just be like yeah you know everyone's like on it hmm. and i'm just hoping that i can sort of start one side of this bigger picture of the butterfly effect to slowly gravitate people away from it hmm. you know if i can find success on other social media platforms that are a little bit more open to nudity then if people can look at me and say oh hey like he, he seems to be pretty doing pretty good there like why am i on this platform where i am either shadow banned uh, my engagements are low because it's um artificially 
suppress so that one might feel compelled to pay money to you know get the same engagement that they got before like why why go through all these hoops and hurdles when it's sort of like you know a free market free world out there Hmm. it's because everyone's here yeah i mean it's it's the same issue with with amazon right we we look with disgust at the at the wealth that jeff bezos has but it's really obvious as to why he's so rich because it's just fucking easy for everyone to use this service and we all yeah. do it you know no one goes the additional route so like in in jersey we have a real issue with our high street basically being it's incredibly expensive for shops to operate over here um they can't sell stuff for less than you can get it online because they need to try and make a profit but no one can be bothered to shop over here because it's cheaper online and it's you know yeah for the sake of waiting a few days for postage and you just go like fuck well that's not going to just change by people being like yeah let's be nice to the little guy because yeah because people essentially they look out for themselves and their own comfort and that's not like a dig at people that's just we all do it and then you're right. kind of left going oh we kind of fucked ourselves on this but we saw it coming yeah yeah we have every everyone has the power to choose um, but you're you're right. I think sometimes people act with their own best interests. But I do feel like when there is enough influence to affect people in the other way to, you know, try to support more mom and pop shops or to migrate to a different platform, I think when they see that, um, it's sort of like this exponential change. I mean, it's, you know, big things have small beginnings. Mm. And if I'm a content creator that has... I'm not saying I have clout, but if I have some influence um, and I can influence other people and then those people might influence other people, it's going to go down the chain to people who are not content creators um, by profession to Mm. think, hey, like, you know, everyone seems to be going over there. Like, you know, maybe I try that out. Mm. And, you know, I think Facebook knows Facebook itself. Facebook.com is a load of crap now no one goes on it it's not cool um and they you know perhaps they made the best decision in the world to buy instagram for a billion dollars back in the early 2000s and that's what they got and they're milking it and you know i think yeah it is just trying to do it as much as it's an uphill battle i know that if i were to go to a different you know, there's a million social media platforms, but if I were to go to Twitter per se, it is a totally different beast within its own. Everything moves differently, and how do you how do you get people to, you know, be more present and active on that platform hmm. when all your friends are hanging out on this side of the on this side of the field? Very true, because I feel like within Facebook and Instagram, you've got a company that's trying to make the social medias that everyone can come to right they want mass engagement they want as many people as possible but within doing that and what they're what essentially has been happening to you it's like we want you to be on this platform but we kind of don't want you to be doing what you're doing like we don't we don't want you to be you right and we're not talking about like saying like oh well this guy's on instagram and he sells drugs and we're gonna let him be himself it's like right okay (laughs) we understand that illegal stuff we abide by those rules and everything but when it's these arbitrary restrictions, like I said, if it was someone speaking to you, being like, look, your account's been deactivated, 
we're going to have a meeting scheduled at this time. Let us know so if you can make it and we'll talk you through why we've deleted your account. Then you could be like, okay, at least I have some context for this. I can fight back against it. I can speak to someone. But the fact yeah. that it's just like, no, nope, it's gone. And you're like, there's no appeal. Look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just said, well, look at, look at Playboy. Their stuff is literally worse than what I'm doing. So why are they fine? And it's just like, we're not talking about Playboy. Talking about you. Yeah, we're talking about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you know, and yeah, it's sort of like uh, you know, I mean, I guess in America people love to sue each other, but you know, when you are <laughs> if you if you somehow find yourself suing a corporation, you will lose. They just have more money than you. Mm. And it is this I you know, I never I mean, yes, I know money dictates a lot of things in the world, but perhaps I didn't realize that it would affect me all my life where, you know, yeah, because I am not, I'm a zero contributing factor to the net profit. Um, they, I, you know, I, I'm just one step away from the delete button. Mm. And I think, uh, I mean, you know, there's a whole multitude of things, even if you are not deleted, and you're still on there, you know, I, I think there are some users and friends that, you know, post nude content, um, they're not trying to upset anyone. Um, they don't want to upset anyone, but uh, they get shadow banned. Mm. And what this is, is like, you don't know that your content posts are being suppressed, so they don't reach as many people. So when I first had my first account, um, I remember I was in a road trip with my ex at the time, and I had about 50,000 followers. And I figured everything out. I figured out the system, I think. Like, I, I'd spend a good deal of time on it. And I was like, I'm going to post at 11 o'clock. Because in New York City, people are just about getting ready for lunch and they don't care. So they want to go on their phone. Mm-hmm. And over in the Europe, it's around right after work or right before, you know, getting yeah, off yeah. work. And they're going to get on their phone. And people in LA, they just woke up. So it's like 8 in the morning. So I was like, mm-hmm. 11 a.m. is this perfect time for me to post this content. And this was the time of Instagram where things were posted in a chronological order. There was no hierarchy system for what post gets pushed up first based mm. on who you're liking. Cause right now, whoever you like their post there, you will see their post more. So I follow, uh, Obama mm-hmm. on Instagram before I got deleted. I don't like all his photos. I haven't liked the thousand posts that he's posted before. So he's never come up on my feed. Mm. But for my friends that I've always like, like, I'm going to see their stuff first. But I, you know, that's a whole different story within itself. But I was posting at this time. And because I was chronological, I, I get, I'm up there at that time. And I would, I was hitting like one, 2000 followers a day. This was just free world, like, no restrictions no censorship and i i jumped from like 50 to 90 in like a month and i was like wow eureka like i figured this out um and sort of now you know if you are shadow banned um good luck because you know if you were once getting you know because like measurements um or you know companies that sort of like pay influencers uh, or you know social media accounts money they view your engagement rates so for you know 10 percent is a good number so hypothetically if you had a thousand followers you want to get about 100 likes anything below that a company sees you as like it's not really worth it to you know pay you to promote it because not no people are looking at your content Hmm. but even if you weren't an influencer you weren't doing these 
posts for money, um, your content is not being seen. So, you know, Facebook is telling you, yeah, we're not telling you that we're not, we're censoring you. We just, we just don't talk about it because I think technically it's unethical. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's very true. And that is, again, it's the problem with a free platform, isn't it? Because we essentially, as any creative, give them the complete control to just say, well, this is our house that you've come into. We can kick you out of it. As opposed to it being like, this is a hotel that you've paid to be in. You're allowed, you're allowed to have certain questions answered. And it's, yeah. it's, that's the frustrating thing I feel is that we all recognize every, every social media is free. We've kind of come onto it and we benefit from it. Um, because even if you imagine if it was just like five quid for a year for, for all of the major social medias yeah would they see a significant drop off and i don't know i kind of feel like maybe maybe they would because as soon as it becomes something you have to pay for it's like you expect a a completely different service from that right Hmm. yeah i i don't know what documentary i watched maybe it was like the social dilemma on netflix Mm. have you seen this yeah yeah and the guy or the person was just like you know things are free you know you are you are the product Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just had, it just got me really thinking about how I, I mean, if, if we're using your example, it's like, yeah, but we all kind of built that house. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, That's very true. Yeah. We built that house kind of like, we're kind of not saying I'm entitled to it, but it's like, Hey, like, you know, give me, cut me some slack here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that yeah. that goes back to my point before, you know, whilst you as an individual might not have put money into facebook.com through paying for advertisements or shopping or anything that engagement of people being on the app because they're looking at your work and engaging with your work means that they're on the app which means that there's more time for them to see advertisers that have paid instagram so it's like even you as the individual might not be giving them x amount of money there's the very real tangible amount of wealth that that entire audience you have that whenever they see your work is spending time on that app, but they'll never, yeah. you can't quantify that with a number. So it's easy for them to just be like, nah, it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, you know, if someone follows you and me, then, you know, yeah, they'll in between our posts, they'll see a bunch of ads. Yeah. But how can you determine how much the worth of that you contribute and how much I contribute? 100%. Yeah. It is, it is very messed up. Um, and I think, you know, the AIs that they all use right now are all sort of janky. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't think Facebook fully divulges what exactly how their AI works. Um, I think Google does it. So I can send you a link, but it is, uh, you know, Google just fully lets people upload a photo and it tells you what this computer sees or AI Mm. and it will analyze things and say, this is an arm. This is a thigh. This is a face. This person might be happy. And they analyze, they take all this information and they come to a conclusion of whether it is violent, racy, sexual. And the, I think the other two, I forgot what it was. Um, And so I started uploading a bunch of photos of mine and you know, if I do these landscape photos where, you know, the landscape takes up 80% of it and this nude body is like this, you know, this, it's just so small. <laughs> uh, it's not a sexy, it's not a sexy photo. It's not a racy photo. 
Um, of course, if you go in closer where the the human body takes up most of the form, then yeah, now it's starting to be considered sexual. Mm. But how does like, you know, is, is distance the judgment for what is sexual is, <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, it's like really, it's really bonkers, you know, like if I took a photo of someone in a landscape and two people were having intercourse, that computer would not acknowledge that. Mm. Um, so it, it is flawed in these different ways and, how we pass, you know, it's kind of like Facebook gets a free pass to just pass on the responsibility. Be like, oh, it's not us, it's the AI. And if you get deleted from that, that's your fault. But hey, you can appeal. And if you appeal, hate the AI, don't hate us. Mm. Um, it's sort of, it's like deflecting the blame. And I, I kind of hope if, there, if there's people listening to this who may be just like, this could be completely outside of the reams of even what they follow on social media. And they're kind of like, I, I just don't understand why this is even like a big deal. I would present it as philosophically, it is a big deal because censorship is something that we understand is important in, in our society, right? Like there, there is a genuine yeah. reason for censorship. But what we censor is critically important. And also what we acknowledge as something worth censoring also has huge implications. So... For me, the idea that your work gets censored, and this is the thing, like I would I wouldn't go so far as to say that your work is gratuitous gratuitously sexual. I'd say like it is genuinely on the, the fine art aspect of nude photography. I think there's something to genuinely appreciate about it without it just feeling like people leering. Yeah. But if in like bands like this it's presented as your work is deemed too much for social media it has to go elsewhere that creates a sense of like a baseline for people going that that work shouldn't be there therefore anything on that level shouldn't be there and now work that people could appreciate and like learn about the the female form and just appreciate the beauty of photography and everything now it's just this thing is bad and that sets a whole precedent for for whole other things like you're saying with the the breastfeeding photos that makes no sense to me because what popu- like what portion of the population are misusing those photos, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, hey, wait, before you continue, um, I hold the position of if Facebook today was like, look, these are the rules and it's applicable to everyone. I'd be like, fair game. I'm out of this bitch. Hmm. But if if they say, hey, it's this is our interpretation. You can come and try your luck. Um, meanwhile, I do see other, it's not even just Playboy, right? It's like all these other quote unquote online blog magazines that, you know, have such a huge following and they post very like sexually explicit photos and they stay on there because their engagement is high. Um, you get a free pass, whether it is you paying money or you have such a huge following that, for you to get five reports from people is a drop in the bucket. It doesn't, it won't force a, an extra review. Mm. So because it's not even equal is what pisses me off mm. the most, because if they, if they deleted Playboy too, I'd be like, wow, I mean, you know, at least they're being honest about it. Like I'm out of here, but they sort of create yeah. this sense of like, you're still in control of your own destiny type of thing. Mm. And you know, if, 
I don't want to be stock stuck in the Stockholm syndrome of thinking that like me and Facebook are going to ha- have this happy relationship. No, mm. it's just, it's not equal. And I think that's the, the most you know important thing. It's like, I, I think having a quality or the same amount of scrutiny into reviewing something is what is fair. Mm. And what's happening right now is not necessarily fair. I think Facebook is doing everything it can to get rid of things, but also keeping people there because they know what you said before. Um, there's a reason why it exists is is because people want to see it. Mm. Because again, it always comes back to the idea that, that sex sells, right? And there are people who are going to just be on Instagram. And even if you got rid of all of the intentional accounts, like the playboys, um, like any, any independent sex workers, anyone who is just creating that kind of content, right? And Instagram was like, we don't want that. We, we just want people doing people things. Okay. You're still going to get people posting like gym selfies that are like egregiously sexual. And that's on both sides of like male and female. And people will just engage more with that because that's the kind of shit that people like, like guys will keep following uh, female, um, like, workout inspirational accounts because they like looking at women not because they give a shit about the workout and men um women will follow jason momoa because they want to pervert him with his top off yeah we all like everyone does it but as soon as people are trying to seem like trying to make money off of it now it's bad now instagram doesn't want to listen to how come i don't get some of the moolah yeah exactly there was this chick god i don't remember her name i should really be better with my sources or my (laughs) um there was a chick. I mean, if you just Google this sentence, <laughs> there was a there was okay. There was a chick who had over a million followers, mm. and she was an Instagram model. She doesn't post a lot of nude work, but she was proud to show her body. She can do whatever she wants with. She can do whatever she wants with her own body. Mm. And she had this other account that also just kind of promoted her 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 products. And she got her account deleted. And long story short, someone at Facebook offered her $65,000 to reinstate her account with the inclusion, including a 2.5% or 5%, it's around that number, for any future things involving that company. So pretty much like this person was like, I want equity in your yearly revenue of your company Jeez. if you want your account back so blackmail <laughs> it's like some weird form of blackmail yeah i think i think facebook acknowledges that there's a lot of people getting rich mm. off social media and they don't really get a piece of the pie and they are the ones that provide the uh you know the application for people to do that um you know i think when you are a you know when facebook is a almost trillion dollar company and you have a board of investors that constantly dictate for people to make more money, which is Facebook, um, they're going to find more ways to make money. Hmm. You know, like it is, I think in the beginning I felt Instagram was a platform where I felt like, wow, this is really is for like, for us. It, it really fe- feels like for us, but now, you know, it, it's not really for us. Hmm. It's, it's, they're, you know, making us feel, or I feel, um, you know, it's it's all about money. 
Hmm. And I feel there's the important aspect as well of like what is good about Instagram and Facebook is that it's accessible to anyone, people from all different backgrounds and, you know, belief systems and everything like that. And that's why I think it's important that work that is, you know, whether whether someone finds it a bit like, oh, I'm not so sure I should be looking at this or people who just absolutely love it. They're all able to kind of get together and they can see the content and they can imp- appreciate it and interpret that interpret it for themselves. If if Facebook and Instagram kind of go to you, your work is is too sexual for our platform. You have to go elsewhere, and you go to an uh, you go to a platform which is like we're completely open to to sex, even somewhere like Twitter, right? You can put you can post whatever the fuck you want. We don't care. Put it on put it on Twitter. That's fine. But all of a sudden now your audience is kind of being relegated to people who are only looking for aggressively sexual things as opposed mm. to an audience that is just you know it's almost like the validation of if your if your work appears on my timeline then it is fine to be seen like at work i can be scrolling through it and i can just see it and it's like oh that's fine you know sure um maybe not at work but <laughs> you know you know what i mean like <laughs> just out and about whatever yeah, yeah if i'm on if i'm on twitter and like I say, I follow follow this um, that model um, Rebecca Crow, and she does post like full full frontal stuff in it. And, like if I was on Twitter on my phone, I wouldn't I wouldn't look at it on the bus. Put it that way, right? Because because okay. it's too much. But on Instagram, I know that any content she posts, I don't need to worry if I'm on the bus. If someone's looking over my shoulder, if like a child is looking over my shoulder, like put it that way, I wouldn't need to go like oh fuck, like swipe away. Like it is what it is. But as soon as you go everyone who's making this content we have to relegate them to the dark side of the internet then you're all you're all put into that and that's what i'm saying that's the issue because it shouldn't be that way there should be there's always got to be room for people to be offended by work and i 100 percent that's whatever everyone each to their own right because work that is considerably less like um like racy than, than yours could be seen by a nun who just thinks it's you know, proof of Satan coming to Earth. You know, <laughs> for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure some nuns and <laughs> want me to go to their. I'm sure. I'm sure there are some nuns who are like, I'm about it. I like this. <laughs> I, yeah, I I think you bring up a good point. Um, because there's times I'm like on the train, and I just want to see my. I just want to open Instagram, mm. and then I'll see my friends who post nudes, post nudes, and you know they're. It's an uncomfortable feeling. I don't want to be that guy that, Ooh. you know, people seem like, oh, this guy's, like, looking at nudes. What a fucking weirdo. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, I mean, I'm past the point of caring what people think about me. But what going back to what you are saying, I don't want anyone to be put into a box of, like, you need to go over here. Mm. You need to go over here. You know, it's not, it's not really inclusive. Mm. Um, and I think there needs to just be a better way of going about how can people feel included? How can people not upset other people? How can people post freely, equally interpreted by our rules? Um, and have that all kind of exist in this, you know, happy kumbaya world. But, mm. you know, there are solutions. I think people don't want to. Whether that is we live in America and half of the population... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge half the population. If there's a there's a great amount of people who don't want to see, you know, more nudity, or they don't want their kids to see it. Um, they believe that's not 
how a woman needs to present themselves okay just Mm. turn on turn on some button that just allows you not to look at it you know it's it's kind of just telling people it's like the people who are unhappy forces everyone not to do it it's like Mm. you know it's uh somehow this is gonna sound so left field somehow (laughs) you know you had a couple of domestic terrorist attacks with planes in the early 2000s of america and then suddenly you can't do a lot of things anymore Mm. you know one person does things and then now everyone can't do it Mm. and i think there's a better way to tell you know actual adults how to go about doing things than just taking it away i think america is like you know the babysitter that just needs to just get rid of all these things in the room that could potentially harm you Mm. but you know meanwhile in you know my girlfriend's in germany germany's like hey you know like we don't really have a lot of rules first of all they don't really have a lot of cops going around but if they have something happen it's like if follow the rules nothing bad will happen to you but if you actually break the rules we're gonna find you Mm. really badly Mm. but in america it's like they want to give out like small amounts of parking tickets continuously over time. They just want to keep reminding you. And it's like this, it's a totally different approach on, you know, this bigger authority of how they dictate, like how they want people to act. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's too early for this, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think as well, like, for me and maybe it is i'm not ignorant to the fact that you know the way the way that i grew up um because everyone is exposed to to nudity and almost like their own sexual awakening at very different times right yeah. and then that completely changes how you perceive those things if you grew up in a household where the idea of sex was something to be scared of and it's a taboo thing you'll grow up with that feeling and then probably eventually rebel against it when you're a teenager and that's when ironically the very conservative parents end up with the daughter with the only fans right right um for me my my mum was a sexual health health nurse so i grew up about knowing about all the the shitty things of sex basically so yeah. it just completely colored my perspective of it to be something not only to not be scared of but that it was just that's that's life right yeah um and I feel it's it's the same for, again, when we're talking about drugs. If you just present to children, and at the end of the day, censorship is always about that young people shouldn't be seeing things before they're old enough, right? Yeah. yeah. Because, again, if Instagram was just like, look, only over 18s can be on here, there'd be no censorship. But it's yeah. not. It's younger than that. If you just present to kids, don't do drugs because they'll ruin your life and you should be terrified of them. They're the worst thing in the world. And anyone who does drugs are bad people and everything. Uh-huh. That's it's the most, it's the easiest way to try and keep them away from it, but it's not actually solving anything because the curiosity that the kids have still exists. And when that yeah. kid gets offered like a joint or like an E or something down the line, the danger aspect of it comes back to them and like, well, fuck it, I'll give it a go. And then they find out it's actually not as dangerous as they were led to believe. And that's addiction. But if you teach people, like, why do people get addicted to drugs? Why, why are they actually exactly like everyone else? And it's not just even people on, like, hard times that are doing drugs. Like, I remember my, 
a flatmate of mine when I was at uni, we were talking about who's done what drugs because university. Uh, of course. <laughs> and she was just like, oh, I've done heroin a few times. And we were like, what are you talking about? How are you at university if you've done heroin? Yeah. And it was just this perspective of just being like, for some people, you've never been around a drug that extreme and you only ever see it in films where if you're a heroin addict, you're like Christian Bale and the Machinist. Like, you're fucked. You're done. Yeah. And she yeah. was just like, no, in where I'm from in, in Norway, it's just, it's casual. You know, you just do a bit of heroin and then chill out for the night. And yeah. you're like, oh, what? This is like completely changing my perspective, right? Mm. But that's the thing. You, you're sold the lie when you're younger, which maybe protects you for a bit. But as soon as that lie kind of crumbles, then, then you're left on your own. You've, you don't have the data to actually know everything, which is why I understand not overloading kids with information to start with. But especially even when we're talking about like nudity and everything, there is a difference between someone who's on the train going through their Instagram and they see one of your photos and they're like, oh, that's cool. That's, that's a nice photo. Like double tap and they swiped away. Like they, get, they give you three seconds, you know, and you're like, yeah. fucking sound. And a person who's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to start touching myself. <laughs> and, but I feel like that's, that is the thing that censorship is trying to say to you. Like, if we keep these images here, everyone's going to be doing this, you know? Yeah. And it's just how many, what percent does that one individual account for? The same way that you're saying, like, with the, the domestic terrorism situation, what percentage of people made flight a risk that it is still a thing that we have to fucking deal with? That, yeah. That it takes a thousand hours to get through the TSA. Yeah. Like the and if TSA is like, what is this? I'm like, bro, it's hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's 2020. Yes, run it through your fancy machine. <laughs> I Look, I think the percentage of people who will see a photo of something that is stimulating, mentally mm. stimulating. Um, I think it's a very small percentage of people who would actually just touch themselves mm. uh, in broad daylight <laughs> in public. I think it's, I think most rational people, you know, will be like, Hey, uh, that's great. I like it. Or, oh, hey, maybe I, I'm just going to go to the next photo. Yeah. You know, and if that's the reason why certain new posts don't get as many photos or likes because someone's like, I just got to quickly swipe away from this. Sure. But it's fair game. Mm. Um, I think yeah, America's just such a strange country. It's like, yeah, we celebrate so much sex, but we are at the same time saying like, no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every Super Bowl <laughs> is yeah. Like every Super Bowl halftime show has some sort of like sex appeal to it. Mm. You know, we we celebrate people who are attractive. Um, and I mean, this is going so far down the road. So, yeah, I'm not even going to say that. But, you know, I, I think I have a tendency to just really just go left field. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if it's if it's the case of if people or, or parents um, don't want people to see work. I mean, OK. Instagram had an option for you to go into your settings and change your uh, filter. You can filter who gets to look at your um, your account, whether that is by age or region of the world. Hmm. So some people, you know, someone that I know posts, you know, nudes of herself in Australia. And she 
was like, you know what? I'm just going to take all of Australia out. I don't want anyone to know. Because hmm. um, I know whether my family would judge me or, or, you know, jobs or whatever. I'm happy for the rest of the world to look at it. Hmm. So I put mine at 18. I had multiple friends hit me up before this last account was deleted saying, hey, uh, did your Instagram get deleted? Did you block me off Instagram? I was like, no, it's there. Um, and for whatever reason, like, I don't know if they had their account age set or, I mean, they're all over 18. Hmm. Um, but even when I am setting a age restriction on my account, I'm still getting in trouble. So if that is because of the algorithm um, and not people actually reporting, it's it's still this, you know, fallacy of thinking that we have some sort of control over our own destiny of not getting deleted and trying to succeed uh on the social media platform hmm. when when you got deleted then do you think do you think that related to the last post that you did or could it have just been any post literally throughout your entire timeline that just got called out by either the ai or just some random person being like that ah, report well i think because the the interpretation of this ai that's ever changing is you you could uh, get in trouble at any moment for any post at any time. Mm. So I have friends, I myself get things deleted that has passed this test um, for not upsetting anyone or being okay to be shared on this platform, get taken down. And this was a post like two years ago or last year. Mm. And that's just weird. You know, it's for someone to say, okay, this is okay. And then a month later you say, okay, this is not okay. <laughs> Um, I get in time things change and w once when things were acceptable to say things or to share certain things are not acceptable today. I know we live in this ever-growing world um, where where things are, are constantly evolving. Um, so I'm okay with that. But like a month, a year, it's like what's really changing in that time period? Mm. You know, like a new body's a new body. Nothing has really changed. I'm not changing it up dramatically. And I think when you're saying as well about this was this was the last time that you were going to create a new account, like, you know, that's, that's kind of it. That leads me on to something that I was thinking about recently, which was essentially, why do I post any photography to Instagram? Because I feel like the engagement that I get and for the sake of going, I've put a lot of effort into an image and I posted it and I get a couple of hours of people liking it and then it's gone. Feels like that was literally the shelf life, shelf life of that image. What, yeah. What's the fucking point? You know, because it's not making me feel better because I'm not, I've going, look everyone, I've made a thing and then I get a few likes uh, just silent. You know, no one's commenting or sending me a message being like, oh man, that's amazing. Well done, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, that's it. And then I go, well, was that worth it? Is this the best way to show photography now? And if it's the only way to show photography now outside of like going to a gallery, then, which is obviously incredibly expensive, yeah. why, why bother? And I, I think it's interesting to go back to something you were saying last time we were chatting, which was that this was going to be your final year of taking new portraits, at least for maybe for a while. Yeah. How does this kind of all relate to it? Like, did you have those thoughts yourself of like, you know, what is even the point of posting these images on Instagram? Is it giving them the actual longevity they deserve? 
Not really. I mean, in, my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, yeah, like to have a photo just be forgotten about maybe a couple days later or, yeah, it's like, you know, if I'm doing these shoots with my friends who are modeling nude and we go into nature, I mean, it is some amount of time prior to doing it, making sure everything's okay, the place is safe, um, and then shooting it and then spending time editing it and then finding the right way to post it uh, with the story. And yeah, perhaps I am already checked out um, that I don't want to really, well, I don't want to shoot nudes uh, after this year. Um, and that's for personal reasons and m mostly revolving around that I feel that I've said all I needed to say and that other people can explore those topics of nudity and, and nature or whatever you want to do with it. Mm. Um, so for me, like to get deleted, I don't really care. Um, I'm, I'm, I have one foot out the door already. Um, but for other people, you know, as to why they would want to post on Instagram. And I mean, I've been in the position where I feel <sighs> unvalidated or I feel like, you know, you know, I'm just waking up feeling in the funk and I feel like don't, I don't have as much self-worth or, you know, I just want this sort of dopamine, hit and you know taking off the the notifications on my phone so i can just hear my phone like play a symphony of dings <laughs> um it feels nice i'm not gonna lie mm. uh and you know it took some humps to just move past that and 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 tell myself that i don't need that to determine my own self-worth or if my work is good mm. um but I feel for, you know, perhaps younger people who, I mean, I'm not trying to be ageist, but I feel like when you're at a younger age, you know, you're still trying to figure yourself out and you still want validation and you still haven't put in as much work as other people have to feel confident in what you're doing. I can see why, hmm. you know, this system is created um, to get people to share their work and to go through these emotions um so i think like you said um you know everyone's kind of going through so many different periods at times maybe you know someone has found validation at a young age and just lost it you know later in life or some people you know hate sexual things at a young age and realize later or vice versa mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like whatever people can kind of take out of it so to speak hmm I, I digressed again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what happens next for your, for your kind of career then with photography or even your life with photography? Because it feels like that work, that nude work has been so synonymous with what you do. And I think we said maybe last time, maybe there's a whole host of other things that you do, but we, you just don't share it on your Instagram channels. Yeah. But like what, what happens next for you? Cause that just feels like that's, that's how I know you, and I'm sure that's how a lot of people see you as Sam Livam, the photographer who takes amazing photos of nude women, right? Yeah. So what happens next? It's a good question. I was... <laughs> no, I mean, I have an idea. Um, I think for the past year, I've been talking to my girlfriend about what I wanted to do next. Hmm. And, you know, it... Yeah, I think... You know, uh, 
okay, there was a time I was going to get a job to shoot clothes on people, mm-hmm. you know, um, for a clothing brand. And the, the person at the company was like, yeah, but yeah, we just don't feel completely confident that you can shoot these clothes. I'm like, I mean, if you put clothes on these nude photos that I do, which <laughs> yes, I understand is an overwhelming majority. Um, I'm sure I can take photos with them wearing it. Um, so I am fully aware that I've given people the perception of me as that person. Um, but I have a fascination in so many things outside of that. I mean, it's just taken up a decade um, of my life, and I don't regret that in any bit. But there are things that I do want to talk about that one cannot do simply with a nude body. You know, I think people have the perception that I will make movies or narrative films or short films or videos that just has nudity. But I think, you know, the majority of projects that I have in mind has zero nudity. Um, And so I think that's kind of what's next for me is to talk about the things I want to talk about, too, because it's not just, you know, I'm not this one dimensional person that I have given people the perspective of that, mm. that I am more than that. I do love, you know, stories about people who are flawed. I love cooking. I love, uh, understanding people I don't really understand. Mm. Um, so I think there's so much more out there and yeah, I, I feel that's, uh, you know, this uphill battle that I will have to push to show people that I am not that. Mm. And and hoping that I do get that people can look at me as who I am and say, oh, yeah, he shoots nudes, but he also doesn't just do that. One of the things that I think is really interesting in, in chatting to you and kind of exploring your work is peeling back the idea of what is expected of the content creator behind this kind of work, because... I think you especially see it with the American idea of like the American dream and kind of capitalism, everything. And like I said before, sex sells. I'm sure that there are people who would look at your work and be like, I can make a ton off of this guy's work if we sell it the right way, you know, and you'll be set for life if we just monetize this content. And yet here you are kind of saying like, I'm kind of done with that. I'm going to move on to stuff that's like, you know, human experience kind of stuff. And maybe yeah. you know that twenty thousand um, strong follower that you have, um, following that you have, eighteen thousand of them are like, yeah, we're not here for that. <laughs> yeah. Can you just show us? I'm show us some rest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm very fortunate to be in this world where I get to choose that. Mm. I get to say no to something. I get to focus on what I feel interest me and take that leap of faith um i'm i know some people don't have that same opportunity um they have to do that job they have to do this um because they're you know the roof over the heads depend on that mm. um but for me i mean yeah i always like say like there's like that artist side of me that i hate but i love you know the artist inside of me that wants to completely always grow and to suffer a little bit and to find new ways of storytelling 
or new things to show, like new ways to show things. Um, I don't want to copy. I don't want to imitate. I don't, I'd rather go through the bullshit of being wrong a thousand times to get something right. Mm. Um, and for me, I think my journey as this quote unquote artist is to keep going and keep exploring. And I have already felt that I've grown stagnant in what I do. And whether that is to take a break or just not to do it at all or to focus on something else is what I feel is the proper approach to being able to have this career with longevity. Mm. Because if I'm going to be that guy that is shooting nudes, you know, I'm 29 now. So if I I shoot nudes until like 50, um, what am I really going to do? I'm not exposed to anything outside of shooting in this nude world within this bubble of nude artists within this bubble of, you know, content creators that I will individually grow and have different experiences from, mm. you know, over cause your last account was, I hope I'm right in saying this. That was the, the least amount of followers of the, the previous two accounts you had was yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. how much, how many were between one and two? What do you mean? How many followers did you have? The first account, then it got deleted, and then the second account. When they were at their, when they got deleted, how many followers apiece did they have? Oh, first one had ninety, second one had fifty, okay. and this last one had twenty. So, so total one sixty. Even if even if we know there's going to be crossover between people following that, let's just say a nice even like hundred twenty thousand, right? Hundred twenty thousand sure. people following your work. I think for the general person listening to this they would equate 120,000 followers as being successful. That means you're doing something right, and that means that you're probably in that internet area of making decent money through Instagram. And what I think is really interesting and an important point to kind of take away from this is to go, you can have this great engagement with people, you can be showing your work, and you're getting like the endorphin rush of all the likes and everything like that. But as soon as that goes you're just left with who you are and the lessons you've learned along the way. Yeah. You know? So what I think is interesting is the first time we spoke, it felt like this, it felt like this conversation was bound to happen sooner or later, you know? Yeah. With, you know, Oh, I got deleted again. Let's, (laughs) let's chat. (laughs) And it's just like, okay, well moving on to the next thing. And it doesn't necessarily feel like, you bring that current 20,000 people with you. I mean, that would be awesome. And I truly hope that is what happens. And I hope you get even more of a following from people following whatever work you create after this point. But I think the reality is, you know, as, as we know, it's just, there will be a lot of people who are like, ah, I'm not into that. I've gone to some other guy already. Who's still, still still taking nudes. And it's just, I can't, sorry. No, no, please. I can't make everyone happy. Um, I think if my job was to make everyone happy on the internet, I wouldn't have a life. Mm. And yeah, I think so much of the time, everyone wants me to shoot a certain way or shoot this person or shoot that person. And that's not my job. My job is to not make you happy. You know, you are the consumer. You've walked into my life. So um, I I feel like I sort of have to think like that because I think the moment that I start thinking about how I can make other people happy, I think you're not really genuine to yourself mm. and i think you i think i mean there's no right way about going about doing things you know i could be wrong someone out there could say you're 
idiot for doing this. You're sitting on like a mini gold mine that you should just milk it for as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my predicament and my situation, um, yeah, I'm more happy just making myself happy. I know this sounds like some Atlas shrugged bullshit, <laughs> um, but I think it's important. I think I think so much of the time. I've never focused on myself. Mm. Uh, so it's nice to actually take care of myself, wanting my own self to be happy and just allowing myself more time to explore other things. I think it's, it's just that point of going, Instagram might be a huge percentage of a person's life and it might tie into a lot of their self-validation and their awareness and how they see themselves. But you're almost as like a kind of cautionary tale if this was the first time it happened, I'm sure it'd be a much more emotionally raw feeling to go, I've just had all my work gone. To have gone through yeah. this several times, it's just going, after the second time, realizing I can't put my emotional eggs into the basket of social media because I yeah. don't have control over it. Yeah. For rules that don't even make any sense, they can just take it away from me. And if I've got too much emotional stake in that, that will crush me. And I think yeah. that's that's the important lesson for people to take away is like social media is is volatile and if you if you feel like you're creating content that everyone enjoys then you're probably not taking the most amount of risks or you're probably very self-secure and you're someone like the rock who doesn't have to worry about anything right nothing controversial going on over there but if you're like an independent creator and you're making stuff that makes you happy and you're doing it for yourself and typically whenever you're doing that some people will always hate it like, I know people don't like that I do this, right? And it's a fucking podcast, you know? Yeah. So there's always going to be people that you piss off. But it's in going, I can't tie my own sense of validation into what we're doing here because at any given time, I, I could just lose it, you know? Yeah. I see some of my friends get deleted the first time. And, you know... You know, they're like, some will text me and be like, oh my God, can you please help me? Like, just post something about me. I was like, yeah, 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 sure, sure. And there's some people that I've shot with that I don't shoot with or I don't communicate after the fact. Um, not that I hate them or anything. It's just, you know, we shoot once and that's it. Um, and they get their account deleted. And you see how devastated they are. Mm. And I want to tell these people or just anyone in general of if you are within this industry where you are posting work in which Facebook has already told you that they don't necessarily approve of it, you gotta have a plan B. Mm. You cannot, like you said, put all your eggs in one basket and hope that you're going to do it right this time because you already are not Mm. in their perspective. And to just have a backup. And if that's having another backup account for Instagram, great. You've postponed your inevitability um and for someone who has been deleted three times my advice is just slowly gravitate away from facebook slowly gravitate away from the social media platforms in which they do not approve of your work or do not give you the opportunity to excel Mm -hmm. because the amount of time that you put into a an app that Everyone is there, but you're not growing. If you had put in that time and investment into an application that does support you, that does make you excel, in time, I think it does pay 
more in dividends than you would joining a club that no one likes you. Hmm. Hmm. It's the pro. The problem, as I see it, is I'm still seeing it in my head. Like when we're talking about migrating to other social media platforms, is that if just some altruistic, nice social media comes along and is like, "Look, we want your work here. We're not going to ask you to censor it any more than you already were because we still want it to be somewhat family friendly and everything." It still creates this content of, as long as there's some censorship, there will always be. A misuse of censorship and i yeah. think that just represents that as a society until we collectively agree that we're actually okay with what this is then then this the issue of censorship can actually start moving on um because again it's, it's still it's, a band-aid fix yeah exactly because again censoring photos of women breastfeeding is not solving anything because that's just creating the sense of there's something wrong about that, and if you've never thought about it before, now you're going to think that if you see a woman breastfeeding, it's terrible. And you just think, who, who is the person who is being shielded from, from those images? Because that person needs actual help, and censoring it for everyone isn't doing that, you know? Yeah. So, there needs to be... Uh, yeah, I think the bigger conversation is just what do people actually feel about nudity? And I think we kind of touched upon that the first time we talked. And I, yeah, it's a, I feel it's a very long battle. Um, and, you know, me migrating to another part of the internet is just a band-aid fix for the bigger issue of like, what is so troubling about this? You know, how can it possibly upset you? Mm. I mean, you know, perhaps you know, going back to what you said about drugs, like, yeah, in the 40s and 50s, like, there were commercials of marijuana where you smoke marijuana and you murder all your, your friends <laughs> right in front of you in cold blood. Yeah. And then, you know, drugs make you complacent. Drugs make you lazy. Um, and now people are like, wait a minute, we, we can make some money off of this and we can use it to fix our infrastructure or help people who do harder drugs. Mm -hmm. Um there's so many applications in which people understand now that it's not as bad as, as it once was. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school, like, you know, me smoking weed, like, you know, like in the dark corner of the street, <laughs> like just, you know, one person was just like listening for cops. And now it's like, I think last week, you know, it's decriminalized. You can, you can, cops are no longer allowed to stop people for smoking weed in public. And that's like just happened in 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how on like what line and position they are in uh, where nudity is like up next to be discussed about. I personally feel having done this for a long time and seeing there, I think there's a lot more important issues um, that are to be addressed in America. So to uh, in this context, mm. um, so, but I think it, it's just a slow and steady thing. And I think it's in the 10 years that I have been shooting news, I think people are a lot more open to how that can, how nudity can represent a very positive uh, feeling. Mm. And if it, if it has to take some person who originally hated nudity and is now okay, just wearing a bikini or being topless and not 
you know, showing your back. That's, I feel like that's like some weird thought process of we are making progress. Mm. No, I completely agree with that. And I think as well, it relates to everything we saw last year, in, especially in America and even in the UK with regards to, to racism and just seeing it as people who were campaigning for um, or campaigning against racism wanted it to be an instantaneous change that all you need to do is listen to these few sentences and if you're on the fence you'll be changed everyone who didn't agree with like let's just say um, Black Lives Matter thought that that's what was going to happen that there was going to be instant change overnight and that scared them and then the reality is for the people who actually needed to kind of learn more about these subjects it took time to hear both sides of arguments, to see which ones were prevalent, which ones could be kind of taken down, which ones kind of keep existing. And then you actually go, after the last year, I bet everyone that I could speak to in 2021 versus everyone I could speak to in 2019 to talk to them about race would be very different conversations. And I'm not saying like people are now militant for or against it, but I think a lot more people are aware of actually here's what i'm not comfortable with that i wasn't aware of before and the point being it does take time to get there but it has to be an ongoing conversation where you have people who are passionate about talking about what what these subjects mean you know for like i say the amount that i've learned just vicariously through seeing whether it's your account or rebecca crow's account or whoever's who actually people like on the the front line of their respective industry talking about it because i'm not going to hear it from anyone else am i you know so you need people like yourself even if it doesn't feel like oh fuck who's actually listening to this to just be like every time you hear about a different industry and hear about the struggles of it it just informs you get a little bit more data to understand how you actually feel about it and it doesn't mean that you change overnight but it means that like the process has begun to create a more concrete perspective of of how you actually feel yeah as long as yeah i think you're so right i agree with you 100 percent. i feel that if people are able to if yeah if, if we're able to talk about nudity um and we're able to talk about all these other topics it's a way better way of informing every every party um than to just say hey, I don't get it, fuck this, get it out of my face, I don't want to talk about it, it's going to fuck up my kids, it's going to mm. fuck up my life, it's going to fuck up my community. Um, it's important to talk about these things, and yeah, baby steps. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a very naturally impatient person, I want things to be done now, and sometimes I think about what Dave Chappelle said in one of his comedy specials, it's just like, you can't, yeah, you really can't expect things to happen overnight you need to go slow Mm. and not rush it and not piss everyone off because if you want everything changed overnight yeah you are going to piss off a lot of people Mm. no one the world is not ready to just you know flip upside down overnight of course yeah because it disrupts a status quo and at the end of the day the two things that people are scared the most about are death and change you know so if you if you've got people campaigning for for death people aren't going to be happy about that and change is the other one. Like people are just scared of change because people who are just kind of skating by don't like the idea that they wouldn't be, they'd be worse off if change happens. And people who are doing very well 
are just as scared that they won't be doing very well if change happens. So you have to, you have to see who is the audience you're actually talking to and what is the best way to get their empathy, not their ire, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's what you saw with a lot of America. But what's interesting is if the Black Lives Matter movement was incredibly emotionally charged with what they were trying to do and that pissed off a lot of people it still allowed a conversation to exist from the two parties hitting where more nuanced conversation could exist and i yeah. think that's where you have a majority of people who again a fucking island off the coast of france where i live feels very connected to everything that happened with george floyd and brianna taylor mm-hmm. and all that stuff and that's because a conversation was happening even if it felt like just two sides smashing against each other um and that's that's the point i think yeah i think death and change are inevitable Hmm. and i feel that if one were to just embrace that death and change were inevitable i think one could live a more fulfilling life Hmm. you know if yeah i mean if you go about i mean it's not i can't expect people to think that oh yeah you know just stop thinking about death i mean sometimes death (laughs) is very readily trans available in one's life and that that's that sucks Hmm. um but i you know if i could speak about the change part it's like if you can embrace change if you can embrace if you can go with it um i think you can flourish um, you know, like I'm very much into, uh, electric battery, ba- battery vehicles. Like mm. I hate internal combustion engines. Um, I want the whole world to go electric and, you know, I, if I have like one or two shares in Tesla, I know this is such a stupid example, <laughs> but it's like, you know, I always hear about people saying like, oh no, like, you know, like I like my gas cars, this and that. And I, I like this. I don't want to change. Don't tell me I can't drive my my Ferrari or my car with an engine. It's like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be opposed to it and everyone's going in one direction, you're going to have a tougher time. Mm. But if you can just kind of just, you don't have to be at the front. If you can be in the middle or the back, you'll still have an easier time. And I think, you know, you let things upset you less. Yeah. Embrace change. I think that's it, right? You've, I think for a lot of people, the fear they have of change is I'm going to be asked to change without, it being my decision and I'm going to have to do it before I can come to terms with what the change is. But instead, I think the, the thing that I would want anyone to be able to do is to listen to what someone else is saying and to at least be welcome to the idea of change, even if you don't, right? Because like trans rights is a huge one um, at the moment. And I think that creates a very strong division between a lot of people because of everything it represents in terms of trying to empathize with people but also listening to science and stuff like that so it can it can create these things where people like i don't even want to listen to this because i don't want to imagine a world where i just accept this readily but that's that isn't what isn't what is what is happening right we're not gonna wake up in 2022 and all children aren't given a gender at birth because they have to decide it when they're 18 right but that's, yeah. I think, the fear that a lot of people have because they view the worst case scenario. But instead... Yeah, but how does it affect you, you know? Hmm. I mean, I guess that's... 
I joke about it with friends. I'm like, look, in 50 years, if people want to marry dogs, like, <laughs> hey, I wasn't born in a world where marrying dogs was like a normal thing or acceptable thing. But hey, if that's the future, then yeah, I might be a little bit weirded out by it, but <laughs> I'm going to try to understand where it's coming from. And I think that's applicable to everything. I know I'm making such a silly example. Oh, no, I think I think it's a pertinent point, though, because one thing that has always stuck out to me, and this kind of happened to me recently, is when you're young, you feel like you have the perspective of the world that is, I can see with more clarity and with more empathy than my parents and the generation above me can see, which is why you see more teenagers are left, left wing than right wing, because the idea of being kind yeah. to people is what they're being taught. And those views typically seem to correlate more with, you know, helping the homeless rather than businesses doing well, you know. And obviously there's a huge crossover between those things. But the... um, Oh, fuck. I just (laughs) lost my train of thought when I was talking about it. You got it, you got it. As you get older... Yeah, so you feel like you've got... You feel like your perspective of the world is truthful, it's altruistic, and you, your perspective is wholesome and good. And you can't understand why your parents don't get on with these viewpoints. Like, um, my parents' generation were part of the generation where being gay was illegal, right? Yeah. So they grew up with that, and that was a change that a lot of people really struggled with. Nowadays, no one gives a fuck. You know, you love who you love, whatever. And for yeah. my generation, it's, it's trans rights activism. People grew up with male and female, and now it's, there's a whole spectrum. That's a difficult change for a lot of people to, to adhere to. Thus, younger kids who are like 14 are very clued up on gender awareness, and they're talking about that, acting as if they are the truthful, altruistic people now. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, for the majority of them, by the time they're 30 they will see what 14-year-olds are doing at that point and be like, I don't agree with that. That's too far. And it will happen every generation for the rest of humanity. You will never keep up with everything. And I think... Sorry, yeah. No, I I mean, yeah, sometimes I look at TikTok, I'm like, oh my God, why is everyone dancing? But then then I take a second and I'm like, why do I give a fuck Mm. about what anyone's doing? Mm -hmm. If it makes them happy whatever yeah it's not my business and hey dancing's pretty fun (laughs) Uh, it's yeah i like okay when my when my parents moved to new york from england but they're originally from china so if anyone doesn't know i'm chinese uh and uh yeah my dad got jumped a couple of times Mm. uh he was living in a bad neighborhood um, but you know, he felt the type of way towards black people. Okay. Mm. Bear with me. Um, and you know, with things, I mean, over the 20, 30 years that this has had happened, his perspectives have changed and he's seen, you know, Asian people get beat up right now. Right. It's mm. happening all over the world. Um, and you know, he said something the other day that made me feel, like, really proud. He's like, yeah, it's not it's not this entire race of people. This person is just maybe unwell. Mm. And maybe at the time, if you asked him 20, 30 years ago, he would think different. I'm not going to speak for him. 
But for him to have said that is like, okay, that's, wow. Okay, yeah, that's good. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, you can't just single out an entire race of people. Um, that's, you know, you can't single out an entire group of age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it is progress. I don't know if it had, you know, it needed 20, 30 years. Maybe it came to that conclusion sooner. But um, I think things like that are important. And it's not this completely one other sided way of like he fully embraces this whole new world that I live in. I mean, he still doesn't really. I'm not trying to shit on my pops, but you know, he doesn't <laughs> know how to use a. He doesn't know how to use remote control. Of course, yeah. Know? But he knows how to do so many things that like people my age can't do. Mm. You know, like I, I can't fix a car, bro. Yeah. You know, but this dude can do it, and he <laughs> has used his hands his whole life because he's been a jeweler, and he knows like basic things that sometimes I feel like an idiot that I'm like I need to Google this. He's mm. like, how do you not remember roads? Um. So yeah, I I would just hope that for this for our generation that's always been having existed in this world with internet, I think we were kind of there for like dial up and uh, you know AOL. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, that future generations, because they have internet, can be more knowledgeable about what's happening around them and continue developing that sort of empathy for certain atrocities or things that are just not right Mm. um, or people's rights of what they are absolutely entitled to. Mm. Um, And it's not your your problem if you don't like it. It's just that is what it is. Mm. And I hope that energy can carry over so that our generation, the generations after that, can be more accepting to changes that are happening um you know and if we can believe that change is inevitable um maybe we can be in a happier place Mm. or maybe world war three happens who knows (laughs) (laughs) like you know yeah and i think you know kind of to to end end things on on this point is we know change will happen. It's, it's never going to sit. Even if you feel like my generation got it right and what we're doing is better than our parents and it looks like it's better than what the younger generation is doing, it is always, it's always going to be a young person's world. They're going to be the what dictates, you know, the kids who are doing TikTok dances now that seem kind of obscene and stupid to us, those people will be industry leaders when they grow older and that history, that history they have will infiltrate that and it will take us outside of it because we don't know what that was like to be their age you know the same way that like we're the first generation that was um dial up internet and still playing outside you know and the younger generation now is no one plays outside everyone's online because video games are inherently better than trees right (laughs) that's yeah yeah i know what you mean so but the thing that i think is interesting as well and just to quickly jump back to um what we're saying everything that happened last year the way I saw it was there was a lot of people in my age group and younger that were campaigning for activism and awareness and essentially kindness to other people. And then you had an older generation that was specifically in combat to, to Black Lives Matter was All Lives Matter, right? Because that's yeah. how they saw it. And in kind of vilifying an older generation, our generation has to go, we will one day be in their place and we can't speak to the younger generation the way they have and expect that to work out. You have to learn what made, like, you know, everything that you saw with your dad that made him kind of go, my perspectives have changed. What 
process did he go through? How can we learn that for ourselves? And how can we pay that back to the future generation for when they're doing stuff that we go, this doesn't make any sense to me, but I need to try and get out of my own way, out of my own ego and say that my way is right because this is going to be the prevailing way. You know know how I think about it? If those TikTokers who dance all the time and do stupid meme videos are also the generation that cares most dominantly about climate change, Mm. perhaps whatever they have feelings for that they care passionately about, that I'd be open to that. Because hmm. they're on to something, right? Absolutely. That's how yeah. I want to see it. Yeah, because they're growing up very aware that planet's fucked. You've got to sort yeah. this out. You know, kind of skipped us a little bit. You know, so we'll be dead. You're going to deal with the majority of the shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we, I saw the documentary Seaspiracy. You saw that on Netflix? I've, I've actively chosen not to watch it. And I, I feel like this is going to open up a can of worms. But it's only yeah. because everyone whenever anyone posts about this is the fucking thing everyone needs to watch i'm almost like get like a hipster head on me and i'm like mm, do i that okay 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 <laughs> no okay i'm on i'm on the same boat but uh yeah it's for those that don't know it's a documentary just talking about uh the best way to save fish in the seas just mm. don't eat fish um and yeah i mean i used to eat so much meat i used to eat so much fish and maybe i could just like tone down on it and maybe my, i lived my life being like don't tell me what, what to do how mm. i eat um and but there's just new perspectives coming out that i'll meet you halfway mm. yeah absolutely you know, or yeah i mean it's even like you know there was a time where growing up recycling wasn't a thing and then it was like here's this new thing called recycling and everyone was like oh you're gonna make me pick out which bits go into which bins that's so much effort and now it's just like if you don't recycle you're a dickhead you know so and it's like that was a slow change but we all were just became aware that actually this is probably a good thing for us we can see that the devastation that's happening little and often those things matter because if we didn't do that we'd obviously be in a worse place than we are now which still isn't great but it is those little things. If you're going to campaign everyone to make change, you've got to make it manageable change, and it has to make sense to the broadest possible spectrum of people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true of literally any anything, especially controversial or taboo topics. If you just shout at people about them, it won't work. If you can break it down into little bite-sized pieces over a long period of time, then, yeah, then I think you're onto something, and then that's when you actually see positive change yeah yeah i think there is a part of me that uh is fully out of wanting to shoot nudes but if there's one thing that will ever make me want to shoot nudes or say yes to a project is if there's someone of of influence that is willing to post nude hmm um i think did we talk about this last time i think so no I I was talking to someone. I was like, dude, if Obama wants to fucking shoot nude, I will fucking shoot him in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, I will take him to the most beautiful landscape and do it. I think that has, I to me, more days now feels like that has a more impact to shoot people who have influence outside of the realm of you know just being a model or mm. your main occupation or one of your main occupations is being a model. Um, if I can take someone out of that, not from this from that world, um, and show this perspective and show that it is okay there's nothing wrong with your own loving your own body and embracing that and not seen in a very sexual light uh i think that's what would make me Mm. pick up the camera for that Mm. 
I think that's that that seems to ring so true of just the idea of you're creating this work and aesthetically it's kind of reached this level of you going I've like say I've done it I've said what I need to say how can I make the story go further and it becomes who is the subject who has what they want to say because when I think about you know your work with people of influence um it's Gabby Carter it's Gabby Carter sure. yeah yeah she's she's one yeah I've shot yeah because I feel like that's interesting because you're talking about an adult performer taking nude photos but the story behind them being so much more about a reflection on what it means to be nude for someone whose job is being nude you know yeah so there's a whole new story rather than just going aesthetics beautiful it doesn't need to be more than that that's great but here is also this this thing this this narrative that goes a little bit further and that's when people can really appreciate an image because there's more to it you know and for those who don't know like gabby carter is like a world-renowned porn star for Um, for the women who don't know (laughs) yeah she's you know if you were to yeah for all the men out there you know who i'm talking about um but you know if you i mean i wish people can meet her she would be such a great ambassador for Mm. something like this because she is such a down-to-earth genuine person you know she loves animals she she has so many passions and hobbies she's she's not just an object of sex Mm. um she is such a intricate multi-layered human being and i think that's what i was trying to get at is that you know if you have a voluptuous body and you walk down the road and someone cat calls you that's not acceptable you know you are more than just someone to objectify Mm. and i think if people took the time to understand they would realize that yeah everyone's a person everyone has insecurities everyone has fears and dreams and you know we should see them as such and rather than just make our general stereotypical assumption that Mm. you know porn stars or sex workers are just these uh low lives they are not Mm. they are such powerful independent courageous people mm. there's so many words to describe them What's and i feel i feel as well I, I surely have to speak for a majority of men right now where it's just like if you as as a man have engaged in watching porn which i mean please anyone listening to this hit me up if you've never done that because that's insane right <laughs> i think all your viewers have probably watched porn exactly or had I've, sex at some point in their lives you, right? you'd, you'd hope so um <laughs> but if you can't advocate for the idea that porn stars shouldn't work in a safer environment, then what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, because it's that thing of just going like, you might have a view and go, look, I wouldn't want my daughter doing that. And you go, absolutely. Fair enough. I get what you're saying. But if you're going to engage with this content and get something out of it, then how can you not want those people to be taken care of? And it's just, it's as simple as that, you know? And I swear, I think, you know, I had an argument with someone about catcalling once and I just can't for the life of me understand how anyone justifies it as being anything that isn't just being a massive twat. <laughs> yeah, and if you're okay, if you're a guy that catcalls someone and thinks the possibility of you actually getting this woman's number is in the realm of possibility, <laughs> it's I have some I have some I have a news flash for you. I'd put that one above 
bartenders who serve women first when they're not in line and think that's getting them somewhere. I mean, if that yeah. if that's ever worked, then you know, shame on me. But I just I've never never seen it any time where I've been in the line first and some bartender just fucking swoops past me because some girl's bending over and it's like, yeah, what do you want? Like, sorry, mate. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what is this serving? Now I just don't like you. She was gonna yeah. wait. <laughs> If there's okay, if there's any advice I can give to any guy out there that would just like to you know meet a chick, just treat him like a human being. You know, I think there's still a lot of men there that still treat women as like, you know, they have to, like women fulfill this part of their lives, or mm. you know, they're you know they're just this trophy wife, or they are just this you know other opposite sex that you have sex with and make a family with, and you know you keep doing your male things in a in a dude cave. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, a lot of friends of all my friends know that I have more female friends um, just by work. Mm. And uh, it's just the simple, they're always like, how do you how do you do it? How do you talk to them? I'm like, dude, just be a normal person. How about if you can think not to fuck them mm. and just if you want to make a friend first before you want to just have sex with someone for the sake of having sex with someone, you'll probably have sex with them if you be their friend first right that's like anything mm. <laughs> <laughs> how do we get here I, yeah this is the whole thing i feel like you know for the sake of this being an hour and 50 we'll we'll put it break because i could talk for fucking a long time on on that subject there yeah i think there's so much to unpack about that um i think it's just important to uh, men talking about their relationship with women in a more candid way um there was a video I showed um, my girlfriend the other day, a Bill Burr podcast excerpt where some, mm. some guy had messaged him to say, oh, my girlfriend of seven years has just, just dumped me. What, what do I do? I feel like shit. And the guy's like, I'm really ashamed to say, you know, I've just been on the floor crying. And Bill Burr's like, good, you should. You should cry. Men are fucking idiots that they don't cry. And it's just, it's, I think that's important, like that kind of conversation for men talking about. Here's the reality of it. And let's just just be open and if you only see having sex with a woman when you're with them that's not a good thing and that's probably not going to get you towards being friends with her because you've got to get outside of your head from that thing you know and it's yeah. and it's like i say that's a whole conversation and if people want to listen to that then maybe we'll jump back on this another time but yeah um, it, yeah, yeah it, it's it's st- it's still half half of the problem right i mean there's still i mean half, i think half half the population is male but you know if they can stop seeing women as objects and see nudity as not sexual all the time mm. then that is making progress with nudity and if women who are opposed to nudity can just allow other women to do whatever they want with their own bodies then that is also helping the cause with normalizing nudity as that nudity doesn't have to just be exclusively sexual. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, so it's part of that, for sure. I feel that that's a really crucial part to this, because I think anyone who may be listening to that would just be like, but, you know, you post these photos that are, are sexual, and, you know, they, they make me feel a certain way when I look at them. And it's just about going, just because you get that reaction doesn't mean that is all that is there to it. It doesn't mean that this image was created for your gratification. It's about going, these images feature real people who these images were primarily for, 
and it's about them celebrating their body in a way that you go but how can they celebrate their body if i'm the one who's getting aroused from it it's like well you're allowed to be aroused from it but you're also allowed to be more than that as well just yeah. just because one thing is one thing doesn't mean it's not another thing yeah and that's yeah yeah i think people yeah i mean for the i think for the guys i mean mostly people who i mean instagram was saying that i had like 80 percent men following me and if uh you know if they get aroused by it sure that's fine but just know that you can't be commenting weird stuff like hey baby i want to fuck you heart Mm. emoji jewel emoji or you know you can't there's just certain things that you know one has to realize that it's past that and i think there are an ever increasingly amount of people who are more open to that i think do i think only fans could exist 15 years ago probably not i think Mm. back in america 15 years ago everyone was like slut shaming everyone Mm. you know you had sex with two people you're a fucking slut Mm. you know and now you know i think credit to the women out there who have just empowered themselves to be able to do whatever they want and be okay with it and i think there are a lot of men who um rooted in their own old traditional conservative ways that uh yeah you can't really talk to a girl like that and a woman doesn't need you financially doesn't need you emotionally and doesn't need you mentally and if there are memes of you know women out there that joke like you know, you're not fucking me, I'm fucking you. I'm literally just using your dick, so to speak. Um, I think that kind of makes men realize that, yeah, you know, it's a two-way street. Mm. And, you know, maybe one knows how it feels to just be objectified. Mm. I think it's almost like the aspect of when you're talking about equality, especially between men and women, it's seeing the idea that women feel more empowered to be up to, like, the equality line. Whereas for men, it's to recognize you're not, hot shit that you think you are you aren't just better than someone because they're a woman it comes down and it meets you equally and that's fine that's that's where you go oh shit maybe i should reassess how i am to people that i am not better than any other person and that my quality of character is actually what stands out not yeah the way i've been born into whatever you know social group social class whatever right everyone wants to be seen for their best selves and not at face value mm. you know and if you're someone that doesn't like how they look or whatever you don't want people to judge you on your worst things mm. right and so apply that to everyone else in the world mm. and then the world will be happier and then everyone probably get laid more right there we, so, yeah well, we'll happier. <laughs> <laughs> so mate well look, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting um hopefully you said what you wanted to say about about Instagram and everything. I feel like that conversation was days ago now and we just jumped yeah. onto something else, but it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the flow. Um, yeah. I mean, usually I'd say, you know, what's the best place for people to find you? That kind of flies in the face of <laughs> what this conversation has been about. Yeah. Um, Don't find me. Yeah. Um, I'll find you. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully the next time that we talk, John, that, uh, you know, I'll be somewhere else and you can, talk about the differences of that and just maybe do another chapter of how things are kind of changing sound yeah well this is it i feel like i'm now we are now two chapters in so we're now along for the ride and we'll see what happens with the next stages of personal professional development i guess (laughs) act three act three is where it all comes together (laughs) absolutely and then the twist ending 
<laughs> I'm Glad You Exist is made independently by me, John Leo. You can stalk me on Instagram, where I often post photos of dogs, at John Leo, which is J-O-H-N-L-I-O-T. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash I'm Glad Podcast, where I rarely post anything at all, but you can get in contact there. Shout out to my mate Sizzlebird for providing the music for today's episode. Go check out the description for where you can find him and support his excellent chillstep violin tunes. And now, all that remains to be said, if you've made it this far to hear my voice, well, I'm glad you exist. <laughs>